0: Amen. So I promised myself this morning I'm going to stay very focused. We will wander off into storyland, I'm sure, if a, an illustration comes into my heart. But I actually didn't want to over-prepare this message because it has really um, impacted me this week. Um, I just want to say, and for some people it will sound maybe almost hard to believe or maybe like heresy, but do you realize that Jesus actually lives for you. He actually lives for you. He lives for me. And it's like, wait a minute, but he's the Lord, so aren't I the one who's supposed to live for him? Yes, but the only way you can live for him is by realizing how much he lives for you. And I think the concept here that was so hard even for the disciples, and it would be tremendously hard for me, remember uh, at Passover, near, nearing the end of his life and his ministry, they're all gathered together, and Jesus decides to wash the feet of his disciples. Would you allow Jesus to kneel down in front of you and wash your feet? Would you, hey, great, hey, get the other one too. Do you have any nail polish? I mean, no. You know, I would like, no, 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 no. You're my savior. I need to serve you. But he actually came to serve us, to draw us into that life abundantly. And so, we're only going to focus on one verse. So, if you don't like memorizing scripture, you can grab this one, and it's very compact, it's very dense, and it's just one verse. But this one verse can change anybody's life. This one verse can revolutionize your life today from here till the end of your life. I'm serious. If you wait on the Lord, if you let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal the truths of any part of his word. But this one especially, the life that can come into you could change you permanently. And so how? I I just want to read it straight. We're going to go through four different parts of this. But Romans 8.34 is so incredible to me. I don't know why it's taken so long to see this so clearly. Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? So, by the way, that is, who is to condemn the children of God? Who can bring any accusation against any of you listening, any of you here? Nobody can accuse you in a way that is going to condemn you, that is going to sentence you to death if you understand the next part of this verse. Jesus Christ is the one who died More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for you. Well, thank you for coming today. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter. I'm ready to dismiss the service. Let the Spirit speak that into your life. Live out of those fundamental truths and you will become a maturing son and daughter of God. Can I get an amen? You don't do it by your own strength, you do it in his grace, you do it in partnership, but if you get a hold of these simple concepts and begin to live in them and walk in them, everything changes, I believe. So first, he died. You can't pay the price for your own sin. You can't say, I'm sorry enough. You can't make enough restitution. The people that you've hurt, the callous things that you've done, the uncaring heart that we've shown toward the lost or the poor, we cannot pay the price for our own sin. We Primarily, first and foremost, we've sinned against a loving, perfect God who has never sinned and I know we live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about sin, but come on, what world are we living, what world are you living in? Has anybody ever sinned against you? Has your heart ever tried to defend itself and wall up and grow cold because you don't want your love to make you vulnerable to hurt any longer? People sin against us and then we sin in response, not even just against them, but we sin by trying to protect ourselves. I don't know about you, but I know evil exists. I know challenges are, I know I'm in a war zone. Good heavens, people, we're paratroopers. We've been dropped into the middle of battle, a world of chaos, of disorder, and of death. It's no joke, we're not playing a game. As a child, losing my parents, I knew death is all around. And I, isn't this a happy Easter message? (laughs) Aren't you glad you're here? I, I remember when Walt Disney died. I think he died in 1966. So I would have been seven years old. And you know, back then he was Uncle Walt to the whole country, he built Disneyland. I mean, he was an amazing man. He wasn't necessarily a really nice person, but he was a genius and accomplished incredible things. So when he died, I thought, wait a minute. If Walt Disney can die, Anybody can die. I mean, it was seven years old. It was my first face-to-face with mortality. And so, we know that the death of Jesus meant he conquered sin. He paid the only real acceptable price for unloving actions that would separate us from the love of our Father, right? And you can't pay it yourself. So he, I mean, catch this. This absolutely kills me. I I read this. Um, He died, and by the way, he paid the price for you and for me, and through that death, the release, the transaction of your sin now being placed on him, and forgiveness flowing from the Father to restore back to wholeness through that death, and then... At his death, he said, it is finished. But listen, the next part of John 19.30 says, and he gave up his spirit. Catch that. Jesus laid his life down. He wasn't murdered. He wasn't forced to. He wasn't guilted to. He knew how severe the stain and the agony of sin and chaos is on the world, and he knew he was the only possible solution once and for all, it is finished. If you connect your walk with God to the reality that he died, you personally take that death on your behalf, it is a finished work. All done. He doesn't have to do it again. Right? I don't live like his death was enough for me. I still play amateur providence. I still try to be my own savior. I still want to beat myself up over when I've done something that has disappointed me or hurt another person. And guys, there is no redemptive value in beating yourself up for your sin. You repent, but get over that. Once you repent, say, okay, now I'm going to move on. Lord, I, I'm gonna let it go, I'll make restitution, I will apologize, but I sinned against you first, I sinned against them second, I will restore that relationship, but I cannot keep feeling the weight and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation of sin. I still do it, do you do it? Do you sometimes carry the weight of your own sin? Do you, allow, do you think, well, I can't let go of this because then I won't be honoring you know, my, my failure I'll be, maybe I'll do it again if I don't remember all the time that I should feel really bad about this. That's ridiculous. It's finished. If we can realize that, connect with that, that is the very heart of salvation, really. Who? And Jesus chose, he gave up his spirit. He was in charge of the timing of his death and the release of his death which is also mind-boggling, we'll never get to the bottom of that. You know, in my my early days walking with the Lord, I'm not saying that these four points that we're going over today uh, are the same thing as the four spiritual laws, but they're similar. And in some ways, I think they're better. But the four spiritual laws are God's love, your sin, His provision, and your decision. If you want a little mnemonic device, if you have to remember those, I can remember four series of two words. That, that's the, about the limit of my brain in terms of memorization. God's love, your sin, his provision, his son, but it's your choice to connect with that death and to realize it was for you. And by the way, you also died with him. You died to your own sin. Oh, so right now, I just want to be sensitive in this moment. If there's somebody listening right now, all of you look very cheery, so I don't think there's anyone here who isn't walking with the Lord in the sanctuary. But if you're hearing this and you're realizing the weight of my sin I've tried to carry for too long, the weight of my sin I can't pay the price for, and I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. And by the way, Maybe you've never prayed the sinner's prayer. Maybe you know you're going to heaven, but maybe, like Lori and I, you haven't really embraced the finished work yet. So it's okay to say, Lord, show me, how am I not accepting that finished work and I'm trying to finish the work myself. So if that's you, just I'm going to do a quick repeat after me. I don't want to let this go. This is the heart of the very gospel and life itself that we find in Jesus. So uh, if you can connect with that either for the first time or if you're realizing you've tried at times to be an amateur savior, then just repeat after me, Father I thank you today that your love for me required you to send your son and my sin kept me from knowing you And so right now, I identify with Jesus' death. I thank you that you died on my behalf. And I am now forgiven. And I accept the finished work that you did for me. I will not play amateur savior. But I will trust you and walk with you. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Please don't take that lightly. That simple prayer turned my life around. Just a life of selfishness and loneliness and foolishness, just connecting with what He did for me, brought me into a whole different perspective on life and others and Him. The good news is the next part of this verse, he was raised. It's one thing for Jesus to say, okay, my death is going to pay the price for you. You are now forgiven. Your sins have been washed away once and for all. It is finished. But talk is cheap. So what is the evidence that he really has the authority to do that, the power to do that, And by the way, what is the outcome of that? He is buried like we've been buried from our old selves. And now, to confirm that message, he was raised. It is the central message of Christianity. It's a distinctive of Christianity. He wasn't just a good teacher, he was the Son of God. And to prove it, he came out of that grave. And what did he promise you by coming out of that grave? He promised you in baptism, in that death, that you are now raised into what? Newness of life. A new way of seeing, a new way of hearing. His perspective and not yours on what's going on in this weird world. But then also, he breathed in you, maybe this moment, maybe today, just now as we prayed, the Holy Spirit may have breathed on the heart of somebody listening. (laughs) And like Adam, he breathed a spirit into you. And all of a sudden, you have eternal life. For the rest of time and eternity, you're going to be able to live right in the core, in the center of what love really is and what reality really is as the Father sees it. Isn't that crazy? I I heard it said, I'm only going to allude to it, but you know, we are not human beings who have occasional spiritual experiences. Most of my walk has been like that. Oh, I go to church on Sunday, I maybe go to a home group, or I go to a retreat, and wow, wowie-zowie, I get these great feelings, and I feel this sense of peace, and isn't it wonderful? And then I go back to the drudgery of my daily life, my secular existence. It's ridiculous. We are not human beings having temporary spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings that are having a temporary human experience and our temporary human experience is incredibly rich it's incredibly powerful it echoes throughout eternity and it reveals God's glory to creation and to others while we are here and there are things that we can only do when we're walking down here we're not going to have tears in heaven we're not going to have confusion and pain we're not going to be able to say God I'm confused I'm heartbroken I'm despairing but I love you I trust you. Do you realize the challenges you face here are a gift that you can give him only here and now? And that's if you have been awakened to eternal life. And so the only thing I want to really emphasize on this is do you have an assurance of your salvation? So a lot of people prayed the sinner's prayer. A lot of people started attending church. It's, it's, it's stunning to me to hear over and over and over again from people over the years that, hey, I went to the same church for 20 years, but they never gave me a chance to get saved. You know, they, I didn't really know God. I was learning Bible stories. Isn't that, that's crazy to me. He wants to awaken newness of life, abundant life, eternal life and if we don't know that we know that we're saved because we didn't save ourselves but because Jesus saved us and that was enough then we live in insecurity how and i don't want myself to be an insecure christian i want to be a vibrant there you go lori lori just did a ho. Oh, you know one of her little what what do you say when you do that sometimes oh yeah 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 so when, when Lori's feeling the spirit, you know, I say ho, and I, I could try to stop it. I, I, it would be very hard. But Lori, when she's really feeling the spirit, her arm goes up like this, and, and somebody one time saw her doing it, and she was just like, gone in the spirit, and they go, oh, that's fine. That's just your hip-hip-hooray, you know. Ho! <laughs> oh. <laughs> so let me just ask the simple question to you here today, to you listening if you died today, do you absolutely know for sure that you're going to heaven? And if you don't, if you aren't absolutely sure, then it really is as simple as going, wait, I know he died for me, but he was raised up into new life to give you that new and eternal Life. He already said, I'm leading the way. I'm your older brother. I'm showing you what it's all about. I'm showing you what the next steps look like. Follow me. The disciples didn't stop following once Jesus was buried. They kept following that example in everything that he did and taught before and after the resurrection. Oh, so I just want to say this. For people who've been church attending and you thought you were a believer, and you've already prayed that other prayer. You know, if, if you're standing at the gates of heaven, I don't know that there really are gates, but if they're going to say, okay, so why do you deserve to be in heaven? If you think, well, I tried to be a good person. I was better than them and not as bad as that. You don't get it at all. That is not going to give you eternal life. But to be able to stand at that gate and say, I don't deserve To get into heaven but I put all of my trust in what Jesus did for me it's my only answer to my sin Jesus died that I could live come on in it's that simple it's not confusing it's not for the wise it isn't for the powerful it's simple enough that a child can understand And that's offensive to some but it's beautiful in the kingdom because it shows the father's heart how much he wants to redeem how so he was raised how and then the beauty after he was raised what happened this is all in romans 8 34 he was seated at the right hand the hand of power the hand of authority of his Father. He's right there next to him, side by side, like the Holy Spirit is side by side with you. And Matthew 28, 18 says, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much? All! Oh! Do you really believe that? I don't. I, oh Well, yeah, but Jesus doesn't have authority over my power bill. He doesn't have authority over my weird neighbor. He all, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. It's not limited. It's not uh, on an as-needed basis. It's continual. And so, yes, his resurrection means we have eternal life. But the fact that he's seated at the right hand of the Father means we have abundant life, that we connect With his authority through our relationship, and we overcome the obstacles of life in his grace and in his power. That's the promise. Come on. Yeah, but what if he doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen tomorrow? It's not over yet. He works all things together for good. Yeah, but it's not good. Not yet. It's going to be good. I don't care if it's a day, a week, a month, or on your deathbed. He's going to use it all for good because he has all authority. And by the way, he's not speaking from a human perspective with limited knowledge. He's speaking from heaven's perspective of the unlimited resources that are available to sons and daughters who know him. Come on. There's a different... Would you walk a different way if you honestly believed that all authority was given to Jesus? I would. How? That's kind of good news. That's not so bad. Oh. (sighs) Hmm. But this is the one that's new for me. So, so far, we know he died, and all that does is show you the seriousness of sin, the price God was willing to pay. We know he was raised to confirm the promise he said, I'm giving you life and life abundantly, and I'm proving it by my resurrection power. And by the way, now, I'm going to heaven, and you have eyes that can see from heaven's perspective the circumstances of this life, because you're supposed to be praying as it is you know, on earth, as it is in heaven, but I don't know. I'm not sold yet, Charlie. Maybe it's for really good people. Maybe it's for really smart people. Maybe it's for really strong people. No, it's for everybody because Jesus, now that he's up at the Father and he's right there at his right hand, he's whispering in his ear and he says, he is interceding for you continually before the Father. Think about that. Charlie, I'm going on the missions trip. Would you please pray for me? I love to pray for people going on missions trip because I know how transformational they are. But if you realize, wait, I can ask Jesus. Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm good, I'm maturing, I love all of you, but I don't pray as good as Jesus. If I know Jesus is interceding for me personally, and if I'm asking him to intercede, all he's doing is asking the Father for blessings, healing, strength, wholeness, deliverance. He's never praying any curse on anybody that he loves. I mean, think about that. He knows how to release the flow and the blessings of heaven over you. Lord I'm not just standing in his authority I'm standing under his blessing as he's interceding for me I'm not smart enough to figure out God's plan for my life I'm smart enough to stay connected with him and let him intercede on my behalf to see God's purposes fulfilled in my life and to see God's purpose is fulfilled in yours. Because he's only got one attitude. He lives for us. He makes intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 says he always lives to make intercession for them. His life now is standing before the Father declaring his goodness over each of our lives. Is that something to be thankful for? This beautiful verse, Romans 8.34, builds to a conclusion that I thought was over-promising and under-delivering. It couldn't be true. But now, because of this verse, I understand what 8.37 means. No. In all these things, We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, who intercedes on our behalf before the Father, who has already been given all the authority to overcome. There's a solution in Jesus for every problem you face and are ever going to face. That's what all that authority means. Doesn't mean it's always going to turn out the way you want, it's going to turn out the way that's best. And you will be a conqueror. You will be victorious. Whether that person changes and says they're sorry, your heart is going to grow, and you're going to go from Grinch to the heart of Jesus. And because he has been raised up into newness of life, you share in that life. And you've overcome death by his life. And you have overcome your sin By the forgiveness that was released through that sacrifice. So you don't have to walk around feeling shamed and condemned. And that's the conclusion of this whole matter. Now, I shared the four spiritual laws. But if you're talking to an unbeliever, if you're talking to someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, can you just think of sharing with them these four points of what a real walk with God looks like? What the empowerment is that's available? Isn't that stunning? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know the next time Lori and I prayer walk the neighborhood, somebody's going to be out there or, you know, at the pantry or God knows where. But I want to share this in a way that is life-giving. So I want to wrap up with two quick things, one of them. I've been sharing now for some time my obsession with wanting Holy Spirit-empowered encounters every day, all the time. God has honored that prayer. I've been having more fun, more prayer more times of outpouring of the Spirit and getting together with other people than I think I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. And then connect that with my desire now that's clear for my calling, and I believe it's everyone's calling. I want to set people's hearts on fire for Jesus. I want to speak in a way that makes people appreciate and be thankful and, and enter into and receive that life that he died and was raised to give us. I'm excited about that. But you know what's the most exciting thing? It's not that I want to learn how to do that so I can teach somebody else. I want it to be infectious. I want to be a part of a community where hearts are getting set on fire so that you are setting other people's hearts on fire. And then I know the gospel is fulfilling its purpose. It's becoming multi-generational. It's leaving the building. It's going out in the streets. It's flowing like water. Come on! We are people who are going to have hearts burning for Jesus. And it's going to start a conflagration, a a wildfire for the Spirit. I think that's beautiful. And I'm willing to lay the rest of my life down in pursuit of that. And so when I think about all of this, our response, I want to give you a chance to respond right now and just purpose. Say, Lord, I get it now in a fresher way. I understand the grace. I understand what you've said in this verse. No one can condemn me because all of this is true. And my response is Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven. 37. And Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment in the law, and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and then in Mark twelve twenty nine, I just looked it up to be sure, it also adds strength. But what I want to do today is lastly say, okay, if in a fresh way you realize you're going to connect with the death, the resurrection, the authority of him being seated in heaven, and the fact that he is today, right now, praying for you, then are you willing to say, Lord, I want you to form my heart. I want my heart to be like your heart. I want to feel the things that you feel, Lord, and not protect myself any longer. I want my heart to be just like yours, and that's maturity and faith. And Lord, I want my mind to be transformed into the way that you think. I allow that resurrection power to come right now, and what I think, if it's out of sync, out of alignment, not consistent with the way you think, Jesus. I want the reality of the way that you think. And then, by the way, your soul, the way that you think, the way that you feel, and for me, when it talks about strength, when it talks about the soul, it's also talking about the will. Lord, I'm selfish. Lord, I'm self-focused. Lord, I'm very so aware of my own needs that, Lord, I want you to now conform my will to your will. As I understand what you feel, as I understand what you think, God, now, take my doer, take my will, and I'll work your will through me. So I'm going to pray just a simple closing prayer. I encourage you to continue to pray it, if this has captured your heart at all. I just pray, Lord, because you're good, I want what you want, even when it's not what I want. That's conforming your will to his. That yielded prayer of submission not just as a slave, not just as a servant, but as a son and as a saint of God. So Father, it's such a simple message. It's a salvation message that I feel you've given me today. But even as a an old burned-out cinder of a pastor, my heart is still burning for you. I just love what you've revealed to me in this passage, and I connect with that death afresh. And I'm sorry for the times that I've tried to save myself and didn't accept that the work is finished. And I thank you that you gave me eternal life, and I thank you that you have the authority to bring me into fullness of life and an abundant life here and now, but Jesus especially, your compassion. Knowing I have an advocate standing before my Father, always praying blessings, always praying healing, always praying empowerment, I cannot say thank you enough. I thank you for how real you are in all of our lives and the example that your life is for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter.